0: A week of uh, political trickery, and we have one of the the best in the business here in New Zealand to join us and analyze this, Bryce Edwards, Doctor Bryce Edwards. How are you, Bryce?
1: Uh, hi, Abe. That's a very kind introduction. I- I'm great, but a bit uh, a bit snowed under at the moment because, of course, this is amazing for political you know commentators and and just political geeks like us. Who you know like to see exciting and interesting things happen in, in politics, but it's quite hard to follow as well. It's uh, it's, it's been just uh, we had a drought really. I think for a long time in politics where not much was really happening of interest, and then suddenly it is all happening. So
0: your head it's must both be
1: exciting, but also a bit bewildering.
0: Your head must be spinning. I mean, I often wondered, reading your political roundup columns, just in normal weeks, how you possibly keep up. But it's, I mean, it it is physically not possible to digest the volume of media coming out now about these rapid developments. How how do you keep up?
1: Yes, no, I don't think I do, really. Uh, I I, I try. I guess I have a fascination with politics, and I'm a bit obsessed, so um, I put far too much time that is healthy (laughs) (laughs) into politics, following it all. But, um, no, it it is very hard.
0: Well, thanks uh, to you and commiserations to your family.
1: Yeah, thanks, yes. indeed
0: now there's three big things that are all interconnected um, and have all kind of fed into each other this week um, that I want to try to cover of course we have the Jacinda mania is it warranted or unwarranted we have the absolute meltdown in the greens and of course this is all um, measured and tethered together by the changes in poll numbers of course uh, materias Gamble uh, her risk initially paying off, shooting the Greens up, bringing Labor down, forcing Andrew Little's resignation, causing the rise of Jacinda Ardern, bringing us Jacinda Mania. Now the Greens are faltering. Um, it's like
1: some sort of Greek tragedy, isn't it? It's all connected, and one you no know, one effect or one sort of major impact leads to another and it's you know it's quite a story isn't it you're right
0: now one thing i really wanted to ask you let's start with the green situation it's just it it is spectacular it is absolutely spectacular i've never seen anything like it in my watching 15 years of new zealand elections and there has been some crazy stuff coming out uh in previous elections and huge upsets uh but it's just so it's such a coincidence. I mean, it almost seems impossible that this is just an own goal that evolved, that the Greens sort of did to themselves. Is that really what happened? That's how it's played out in the media. But it almost seems too perfect. Do, do you have any indication that there was a threat that this information was going to come out anyways? Or or do you think this evolution that we've seen over the past week or two is genuine?
1: Well, I guess the larger context of all of this is that we're living in more radical times internationally and New Zealand. Like, we're seeing lots going on in terms of, uh, you know, there's a desire from the public for more authentic politicians and a bit more radicalism. And so I think that's what the Greens were responding to. And I don't know if there were any uh, motives from. Materia Touré to get this news out about her past benefit uh, fraud, um, to try and beat off, you know, this becoming a scandal. But um, I think she was, yeah, just purely trying to uh, tap into the zeitgeist of uh, people wanting, you know, these big conversations about um, those at the bottom, about politicians that are willing to talk, you know, about... um, uh, yeah, uh, themselves and their uh, less than perfect lives. So I think it is all kind of chaotic, but it comes out of that kind of zeitgeist, as I call it, of um, at least some parts of the population wanting some radicalism, and she's delivered it, And uh, but it hasn't, it hasn't really been well thought out by the Green Party. I don't think they were prepared, and they're not really used to being so radical, so they sort of stuffed up in many ways. That's my kind of basic understanding of it
0: all. Well, in many ways, it's kind of undone what they've spent the last year, nine years doing, which is de-radicalizing and presenting a more sort of corporate image. And it just seems to me that yeah. to throw caution to the wind and, and to really, you know, in many ways have offended a lot of their traditional supporters by being too corporate over the last nine years, to just um, abruptly upend all of that, it, I mean, I, I understand, you know, the need for a sort of carbonization of New Zealand politics, but uh, it was, it was quite abrupt and surprising, and and kind of, um, yeah. The the Greens had made demonstrable gains through their mainstreaming, um, so it it was quite a, a risk, I guess. Um,
1: yeah. But the thing I, that I would agree r- with all of that. The uh, thing, um, and I think you're right because Materia Truray Ray is. Um, kind of seen at the moment as a really radical politician, quite rightly so for what she's done, but in the past she has been kind of more trying to push the Greens to be more respectable and she's kind of been, uh, I don't know, um, I mean every politician has different complex and contradictory sides to their politics, so of course she came from a background of poverty and of radicalism, being an anarchist. And a campaigner for marijuana legalization and for the McGither series, then she became a lawyer she became a corporate lawyer, and in the greens she 's kind of channeled most 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 of the time her more corporate side, her more mainstream side. but then it just seems that suddenly she realized that they 'd gone too far, and that the kind of mainstream and corporatization of the greens wasn 't Quite of right, quite right for this age, and so she started to rechannel her more, um, yeah, her past, her, her more anarchist days. Well, and of um, course,
0: but, they they got a boost in the polls from that, uh, but then they went too far the other way.
1: Yeah, so she, I think she had the right uh, sort of instincts on this to to go big and go bold, but of course, the Greens weren't very practiced in being bold and radical and anti-establishment so they didn't really get their narrative sorted out i mean they should have as uh, quite a few commentators are saying at the moment they should have seen this coming that there'd be all sorts of questions about the benefit fraud and about her family and um and she didn't really deal very well with all of that like if you're going to go big and go bold you have to have your ducks lined up if you like and be ready to answer some of those difficult questions and i don't think she was so well the thing i'm putting it down to the fact that the greens have tried to go radical but they're not really they're out of practice if you like and they weren't able to pull it off in quite the authentic way that they should have
0: the thing I think a lot of us, or certainly I was confused about, was then the introduction of the idea of electoral fraud. Uh, because yeah. in in my mind, um, you know, people had come to terms with this idea that she had committed benefit fraud, and yeah. I think they were prepared Depends to give her some leeway. And then I guess the question came up, You know, were you living with the husband of your child for which you were claiming the DPB and you refused to name on the birth certificate? And and I felt as though people would have been prepared to accept that. But it almost seems as though because that was seen as too great of a sin in this narrative that they tried to present. She used the excuse of, oh no, I wasn't living with him, I was just committing electoral fraud. Now, you know, Andrew Geddes has commented that yes, it was fraud, but it was at the lower end. But I myself have been a, you know, a dull bludging, aspiring student politician uh for a long time as well, and it certainly never ever crossed my mind that that, that type of thing would be acceptable. And I and I really feel like, you know, saying, Oh, it's no big deal if you just go vote where you want or try to help your friend. That that is more undermining of the fundamental principles to yes, me
1: I, mean, I, I, I guess the conversation here is really about what was her greatest crime so to speak in terms of you know, the public view and it was always strange that it was the electoral fraud one that seemed to do her in more um, is that what you were sort of thinking as well? It, that, I mean... A, a, a lot well, before. I
0: just don't know why she would have introduced an additional thread to the story when no, I guess she, she could have just owned it and paid back the DPB.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think it's pretty straightforward that she didn't have a proper story worked out before she went with this announcement. She hadn't thought through, or the party hadn't even thought through, all the consequences. And they should have known that um, the media quite rightly was going to dig up and just try and verify the story and see you know, if it all makes sense. And part of it didn't add up, I think, as the problem, because, yes, she seemed to, the facts stated that, well, she seemed to be living with her partner. and. Um, if that was the case, that was even bigger benefit fraud, and so she instantly had to deal with that and explain that uh, she wasn't actually living with her partner; that she just had it uh, listed, her name listed there for electoral reasons. And I don't think she foresaw that that was going to make things even worse.
0: Getting to be a pretty complicated story. Then, of course, we yeah. had the, um, you know, the gun to the head scenario by the two uh, old white male senior oh, Green true. MPs. Um, what
1: ultimately did her in, I think, is because her own side I, I think together with Justin Trudeau and kind of throwing her under the bus a bit, um, both Labour and some Greens kind of turned against her, so no longer was there any kind of united front. And the public just are always you know, after watching politics for decades, that's the one thing I've come to see that there's just always a bad public response to disunity and parties looking like they're in chaos. So if the Greens had held it together, and maybe if there'd been a bit more support from Labour, I think she might have survived. But it looks so bad having her own colleagues turn against her.
0: Well, and given that she's resigned now, and that's what uh, Kennedy Graham and David Clendon were, were kind of asking for, uh, when when they went public I mean, it seems as though Obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, But she should have resigned a lot earlier To just stem the bleeding, I guess
1: um, Yeah, I, I guess you're right Also about the hindsight thing <laughs> That's right And to some extent she's been seen as a martyr But she would have been even more of a martyr I think if she had gone uh, When things really started heating up uh, there would have been
0: even more sympathy for her now i i again I have trouble keeping up and small children as well and but but this yes. morning they seem to say the thing that that finally pushed her over the edge into the resignation is comments from some of her family members or her uh the the other yes. grandparents of her children. Can you fill us in on what exactly that was because I did not well, catch I, that i, I
1: can't exactly, because the details aren't uh, public, as far as I know, but um, this was on Radio New Zealand. Uh, they had received uh, a conversation, or someone had approached
0: uh,
1: them from Materia um, the family, from the, um, I guess, the family of um, Paul her Hartley. partner. Yep. It might have even be been her partner. So I'm, I'm suspecting that it was actually her ex-partner but who knows. Um, certainly someone from that side of the family got in touch with Radio New Zealand and said, hey, no, Materia um, Ture wasn't starving. Uh, my family was giving her um, some sort of support. Right. And so, um, um, and so that made things worse. It, it just showed that things were digging up into her family in a way that wasn't comfortable for her. It was making the narrative even worse for her, you know, the whole story. And... I mean, yeah, I think anyone can see that that would have been personally very difficult for any politician to start having your family torn apart like that.
0: Oh, totally. Now. Of course, moving on to some of these other issues, the big political paradox on the left is this swapping back and forth of poll numbers. Labour looked weak. New Zealand, uh, New Zealand First, and the Greens shot up, and there was all sorts of uh, you know crazy talk about Winston being prime minister and uh, how the Greens were going to eclipse Labour. Now it's sort of snapped back, and and we've seen the Jacinda effect, but that's basically been completely at the expense of the Greens and New Zealand first. So I'm just wondering, yeah, what you think about this catch-22 of how the polling numbers get shifted around on the left, and then, of course, that brings us to Jacinda-mania, um, mm. which is really driving these numbers, but as of yet does not appear to have a lot of substance to it. I'd wonder what you think about that.
1: Wow, you've got lots of questions there, Abe. But the one about the, the polls changing, I mean, we have to wait and see some other polls before we can be too sure. Um, last night's one was quite definitive in a sense, that it contained um, the voting reaction up until Tuesday, so it included Monday and Tuesday, mm. and it showed, of course, that, yes, Greens and New Zealand First had lost ground and Labour have been the beneficiary of that uh, and I, my feeling is that will keep going. My feeling is that Labour's on a roll and for a lot of voters there's you know, what we call the bandwagon effect mm. whereby voters actually see success in polls in particular and it makes them more inclined to support uh, a politician or a party and less inclined to support one that is going downwards. So it has a self-perpetuating effect, which is, you know, good all bad, depending on how you look at it, but it's, um, it is it is the problem, I guess, with polls, that um, they push people to think a certain way. So, nonetheless, I can see Labour just continuing to go up on this basis.
0: Well, interestingly, Winston has had no scandal, and he lost as much or more as the Greens, depending on what poll you look at. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think he was cut out of the conversation a lot. So mm. just heard much less from him. But also... You know, there was a lot of former Labour supporters that were crossing over to him in mm. recent weeks because Labour seemed so hopeless under Andrew.
0: <laughs> totally, totally.
1: And, and so they were looking for something a bit more exciting or a bit more you know, challenging against the government, perhaps. And now that that's changed with Ardern at the reins, yeah, I, I, I just expect some of that would head back to, to Labour. So New Zealand First is really going to have to now um, lift its game. Um, And I think they probably can, because Winston Peters has always got various tricks up his sleeves. um, And we've got the Todd Barclay scandal. that's still bubbling along under the surface. And that's one of the strange things about politics at the moment, uh, is that that would normally be a major scandal about these texts that have been deleted by the Prime Minister. um, But we've hardly heard anything about that. Um, But if Winston Peters does have copies of these uh, texts, and it's quite possible he does, I don't know, Um, he will be inclined to release them next week, and that will put him back in um, looking as if he's a major player in politics. But I I guess the main thing I'm saying is that I think that Labour will continue to rise in the polls, mostly at the expense of New Zealand First and the Greens at the stage.
0: Well, and finally then, Jacinda Mania, is that to say that uh, we have entered such a sort of media-driven electoral system now that even yeah. if there is no substance and the media keeps flogging just into mania, they'll just keep going up?
1: Oh, she's, uh, she's the darling of the left, she's the darling of the media, and it's entirely understandable because she communicates well, she appears you know, very well on television and uh, face-to-face in meetings, she has already procured herself. The, um this this political star because normally when politicians come into being leader, they suddenly their parties have to sell them and say and put them in the women's magazines and put them you know try and you know tell people their backstory and their personality. That's already been done. Mm. Cinder Ardern has already been in all those. Um, Women's weeklies and so forth. People know who she is and are excited about her before she's even the leader. So she's on her front foot, and I just think it's just going to evolve into more mania, as you put it. Um, and she, as you know, she was level pegging with Bill uh, mm. English mm. in last mm. night's poll and prime minister. And I think she'll just continue to go up. And at this stage, I guess I'm I'm starting to uh, think that she's likely to be the prime minister in seven weeks time.
0: Well, watch this space, and we really appreciate you joining us, Bryce. And uh, we appreciate the fact that you're willing to join us again in these future weeks as this you know exciting action movie slash soap opera saga continues to unfold.
1: Oh, I'm sort of hoping that it slows
0: down a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, for you, yeah. But, hey, only six <laughs> weeks to go, then you can have a holiday.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Cheers,
0: Bryce. We'll talk Thanks, to you again Bryce. soon. Bye. That was Dr. Bryce Edwards, political commentator, and uh, that's a lot of political commentating for us. We'll play some tracks.